It's better to keep your mouth shut and let people think you're an idiot than to open it and leave no doubt. You know, I hope there's Bigfoot. I don't think there is. What a beautiful woman. Wow. He's, AJ's doing Whoa. some things right down So if you're a youngster in Alabama, start getting the football out and throw it around the backyard with Pop. Welcome to the podcast. We had a great interview with Joshua Newman, Utah Utes beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, and you can find that interview at the 53-minute mark. But here is our week one preview. We'd like to welcome you back into the three-man rush podcast. It is time for a week one preview. We're excited to have a great docket of games on the schedule for week one. We've got lots of games to discuss, lots of games to preview, and lots of football to get to. Um, we had week zero, which was a little bit of a blue ball situation on hand. Um, we had some good football played, but ultimately week one is where it really starts. The ball will be in the air. You know, pads will be popping. It's time for football, and we're excited to kind of preview some of these games. Um, but, yeah, we're going to get right into it, and we're going to – before we start talking football, we're going to go ahead and give you guys our fumble and gift baskets of the week for this week. Um, Cal, you want to start us off? Uh, yeah, sure, I'll start us off. Uh, my fumble of the week is going to be the Buffalo Bills uh, punting room. They are now short a punter, which is very unfortunate for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, also very unfortunate for that man's career. Um, I'm not going to say much else about it. That's just a big fumble on the uh, entire situation on everybody at AM. So the, the Bills are going into this week without a punter. Nothing like the old punter gang rape situation. That's never really happened, I don't yeah, think, before. Yeah. <laughs> right after the draft. That, that's a new one for me. I think it's a new one for everyone. Not a pretty scene. That's fair. Um, my fumble, um, I think it's very, very obvious. Uh, Nebraska football, come on. We want to see you be good at least once, in the like within 10 years. We want to see it. You're trash. You're always bad. You, you're losing games. Scott Frost needs to have his head chopped off and fed to lions or something, go let it – no, go let it sit in the corn and let that corn grow. We need a new era. Um, Nebraska is, is a scarecrow now. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, make him a scarecrow because uh, this is – football out there, the way he coaches is scary. Why the hell are you on siding up 11? Who knows? You can't come out – you can't come back after the game and say, yeah, that's on me. No shit, it's on you. Get it together. Figure it out for the love of God. That's fair. Well, uh, my fumble is uh, about Jake. Um, me and Jake had a fantasy draft today at around 4 p.m. Central time, and uh, Jake drafted Brian Robinson. With <laughs> Brian Robinson. <laughs> in, in the 10th round, I think it's a steal. I mean, it was it was a steal. It's a good pick. He's going to be starting running back for the, the commanders. And then about an hour later, we found out he got shot. So, I mean, obviously, it's not it's not it's not funny he got shot or anything. It's just kind of funny that Jake drafted him and then that happened. Is he gonna be okay? 
He's alive. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not life threatening. Yeah, he's alive. He's alive. Oh, yeah, so he'll be back to him, Yeah, thankfully he's all right. But tough situation for Jake. <laughs> Drafted him. In. I mean, I think it's a little bit tougher this. situation for Brian Robinson. I'll be honest with you. Oh yeah, clearly, <laughs> he clearly got shot. But uh, no, that's multiple times. Prayers up There's for Brian Robinson. Life. Yeah, the thing is, people are saying that, uh, he'll be back soon. But I mean, if he got shot in the lower extremities, I'm not thinking he's going to be back anytime soon. Well, didn't that happen with the, the Ohio State guy Haskell Garrett? Didn't he get shot and then he was? and played last year. Can't tell you I know anything about that. Look it up. David Ortiz got shot. He did. Oh my, that is look the story Pascal that Garrett. I'm pretty sure he got shot. Pascal Garrett, I'm going to look that up. I'm pretty sure he got shot in the head. My God. Shot in the head? I think I remember this. No, uh, the guy that used to yeah, play yeah. for uh, West Virginia got shot in the head. Uh, Stedman Bailey. Yeah, he got he got shot in the face. My God, Garrett did. How did he live? Yeah. <laughs> well, he played last year. He was good too. While a passenger in a car in Miami Gardens, Florida, uh, Stedman Bailey suffered two gunshot wounds to the head, and he lived. Wow! Shout out to that crazy. guy. Yeah, it went it went through his cheeks, so one cheek through the other. I was talking about Haskell Garrett. Uh, yeah, on his face, right? Not his butt. Yeah, his his, yeah, his, no, his face. How in the world did he do that? Didn't hit me. Well, I mean, if you have your face. mouth open enough, and nothing, it's just gonna touch touch your cheeks. Mouth wide open. Bet you hurt though. Oh, mouth wide open. It's <laughs> a good point. Uh, okay, so I've got a nice little gift basket here that goes along with the uh, theme of Nebraska Northwestern as well. I'm gonna give my gift basket to Evan Hole. Um, he had a great game, and the announcers continually talked about how much he squats. That's that's you know it's always nice to get some some squat rack numbers. They were saying five fifteen, quite an impressive squat for a guy. Oh, the running back. Yeah. So also, I just like to see a nice. They said he was a wrestler. I love wrestlers that play football. They just seem to be better, to be honest with you. Um, so I, I'm giving my gift basket to Evan Hole. Great game. Looks good. Northwestern needs him to be a, a competitive team this year, so it's exciting to see him have a good game. I got a fun gift basket. Um, the VMAs happened, and um, Young Gravy showed up with Addison Ray's mom uh, and was making out with her the entire night. And I've been hearing there's some beef between Ad- Addison Ray's dad and Young Gravy I think we need to see a boxing match happen. I'll pay for it. I want to see that. I want to see Young Gravy's Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. self. So is Addison Ray's mom and her dad not together? No. They divorced oh, like last year. They divorced. Well, that's what happens when and you have a slut for a daughter. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> Yeah, father and the son. Am I right? Um, But yeah, young gravy, Dayton Addison Ray's mom. Give basket to that man. That's fair. Uh, I have a gift gift basket for all of college football fans who like uh, making fun of coaches who should be good but are bad. Uh, If Scott Frost, I saw this on Reddit College Football. If Scott Frost won his next fifty games in a row, he'd still have a worse record at Nebraska than Bo Pelini. So that's kind of hilarious. Bo Pelini is a beautiful, beautiful man. We miss him. 
Every day. Great, great coach. Every single day. We miss him. I'm sure Nebraska fans miss him too. Oh. Yeah. They're, they'd have anything at this point. I don't know. My Wait. gift basket. Go ahead, Drew. Sorry. I said my gift basket is uh, just Ireland in general because when the internet went, out, went down there, they just gave free beer to all the fans, and that's huge that's gift cool. basket to them. That's, that's crazy. If, if that happened in America, they just quit serving alcohol. But I guess things are a little different down there. I mean, it probably made it easier for Nebraska fans so they, they could be drunk while watching their team lose. Yeah, that's what I was saying. There's not a better place to be a loser in than Dublin. You usually get hammered. I saw a picture of a Nebraska fan walking up the stairs with eight beers in his hands. I respect it so much. <laughs> uh, so I've got a uh, a nice fumble here. Um, recently have been starting to watch uh, The House of Dragons on HBO. Um, if you haven't watched Amazing. the first episode, go ahead and get it, get it in. The second episode should come out. I guess it's coming out right as we're talking. But uh, fumble for Damon Targaryen. He was uh, set to be the heir. And then uh, this, this motherfucker made a giant mistake. He talked bad on the... Uh, how, the do you, uh, how are you making fun of a dead baby, man? That's what I'm saying. So he made fun of a, a dead baby. How do, you, how do you think that's okay? Not a cool thing. So fumble to Damon Targaryen. It's going to be a tough one to come back from. And, uh, you know, it's a fumble, but it's also a fumble that was not recovered by Damon Targaryen. He lost it. So it was recovered by, um, you know, that little girl. It's going to be there. I can't think of her name now. But um, Rainus or something like that? Rainus. Um, yeah, I will say, I will say for all you Game of Thrones fans out there, um, I know what happened in season eight. Don't have to tell me how bad it is. I know. Um, it's worth the watch. First They're episode is good. Directors, I think. First episode's really good. Um, haven't watched the second one yet. Probably going to after this. Um, I'll tweet about it. I'll, you'll see on Twitter. I'll tweet about it, let you know. Um, but it is not the same directors that had the season eight debacle. Um, it's looking like it's going to be a very good show. I'm excited. I liked it. liked it a lot. Still, it, I, will, I will say, I hadn't watched Game of Thrones in so long. But like the first five minutes, I was like, oh, I forgot that there is – like very it's a very gory show like there was like four or five like body parts chopped off in the first 30 minutes of the show i was like oh yeah this is this is game of thrones oh yeah you heard the game of thrones music come on and it just oh something yeah feels right in your stomach something yeah. feels right i don't know what to say yeah get the little butterflies going like i'm, I'm about to watch some murder some good old-fashioned oh, yeah. people murder some, <laughs> some murder some dragons murdering that's all, all right. i need usually i have to go to the dark web to see this kind of stuff <laughs> but it's right on HBO Max. That's exactly what's what I want to watch. All right, so that concludes our little fumble and gift basket section of today's podcast. Um, let's get into some football here because we've got some football that we're going to get to view this weekend. We put up a post uh, on Twitter that was our teams that we think have a chance this season to make the college football playoff. I think we just wanted to discuss this real quick, um, kind of kind of what we were thinking here. So. I, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I think the first couple that were very obvious, um, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, um, what did we think about Clemson? I think they have a chance. The ACC they always have a all. chance. They have the most talent in the ACC still. I mean, maybe other than, like, NC State, they have returned, they're returning a lot of their people this year, but I think Clemson will probably, if they'll probably run the table in the ACC and might make the playoff. 
Okay, so in the ACC, we had two teams. We had NC State and Clemson. The notable one that's kind of left out there to me is Miami. Uh, is there anybody else in the ACC that you think is kind of on the fringe of a team that's capable of making the college football playoff? I don't think Miami's uh, there yet. I think Miami's well, a good, like, two or three years away from the playoffs. Yeah, that's fair. I, I don't I don't. Uh, I mean, no, I don't see anybody that, like, comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. I think the ACC is kind of the, a two-horse race this year with those two teams that have a chance. Um, Pitt, I don't think Pitt has a chance, but they were a solid team. They won the ACC mm. last year. So. What was Desmond Howard thinking? Oh, boy. Putting Pitt in the college football playoff. Well, He's that, that was the clicks. worst list I've ever seen. It's all it is. It's just for clicks. No, well, I get it, but that was bad. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. A&M, Pittsburgh, Baylor, and Michigan. The, the thing is, is he had two teams from Texas. A team from Texas has never made the college football playoff. He had two of them. So, odd, odd decision just, there. It's ridiculous. Pittsburgh, really. Pittsburgh. Dude, after losing Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison, their offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator – they have a brand new team, basically. Like it's just not. They lost. Their, no, I'm pretty sure they even lost their backup quarterback from last year because I think he transferred. He did, Davis Bevel. Uh, oh yeah, he's at OU. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> Out of all the teams to like to just have a sleeper pick, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is just not one of them. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was last year, but I, yeah, I'm not seeing it this year either. Uh, so the other teams, we only had one Pac-12 team on here, um, was the Utah Utes. Um, leaving USC off of here was, I don't know. It, it's interesting, but I can't say I'm like too too surprised that we didn't. None of us had USC. I just think they have too many holes. What do you guys think about USC? They'll go as far as that offensive line allows them to go. That's just about all we can really say about that team. I wouldn't be surprised if they made the, if they made the playoff, but I just I think they're going to drop a couple games. I don't think they're going to beat Utah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if they're going to beat Oregon either. I've and preached it. Oh, go ahead, sorry. I said in classic Lincoln Riley fashion, fashion he'll lose a game he's not supposed to. Um, I've preached about it every, pretty much every podcast. Uh, they had the hundred and tenth best defense last year. Didn't get it. Got better. I will say, but it didn't get like he doesn't have anyone on that that defense that's like turning your eyes to look. But I, yeah, that Calvin said that offensive line and that defense. That's just we'll see. If Corey we Foreman can be healthy, their defense is interesting because he was one of the top recruits in the country, but he hasn't been really healthy yet. So we'll see. But uh, so I, I want to go to the got, go ahead, Drew. I said they also got Domani Jackson coming in. Oh, I forgot about that. So. Good, yeah, good call. Yeah. Um, so that's it for the Pac-12, though. Um, in the Big 12, we just have two teams. We have Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Uh, notably that we left out um, Baylor. And I don't know, I, if you want to go ahead and say it's notable, we left out Texas. We did. Um, but so what do you guys think about Baylor, th- their ceiling being lower than the college football playoff? I just... I think they lost too many skill position players. Um, they lost Thornton, 
they lost a lot of good players on their defense as well. But I mean, they still got one of the better D lines and O lines in the Big Twelve. I just, I think, all, I think the skill, all the losses from the skill position players, I don't they'll think be, they, they'll uh, be good. Yeah, they'll be good, but I just don't think they're gonna. I mean, they might win the Big Twelve. You know, I just think if they win the Big Twelve, this, they're not going undefeated. They, they yeah. I bet they lose two or three games this year, and probably to OU and OSU. Well, we play we play at Baylor. OSU plays at Baylor this year, which is you know always a scary place to go play a game. But well, yeah, uh, Dave yeah, I, I could see that, or or a random West Virginia loss or K State, which I think might be not be terrible this year. I could see something like that happening to that team. Yeah, I think they're going to lose to Iowa State. That's my pick. Yeah, it's a good pick. I think actually. Okay, so other than that, we have the Big Ten. It's other last conference. We also put Notre Dame in there, so. Um, if you guys want to touch on Notre Dame, you can, but I don't. I don't think there's really too much to talk about in Notre Dame. I don't. I don't think they're going to make the college football playoff this year, but they definitely have the the team to do it. Uh, like their ceiling is there, um, but they have they're one of the toughest schedules that Notre Dame's had. Just consistent enough. Yeah, just consistent enough. Um, in the Big Ten, we had Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State as the three teams can make it. Um, the teams we left off there, I think most notably is Penn State and Wisconsin. Uh, I, you guys want to explain that? No. They're just not making the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think so either. Penn State, I mean, no, I, no one's... I think Penn State I think Penn State might just be like an eight-win team this year at, at the most. I just don't see it with them this year. Yeah. I also I'm not, don't I'm not a believer see, in Clippers, though. I don't see Ohio State losing this year. I don't. Even through the, like, conference championship everything, that offense is way too stacked. There's no way they drop a game this year. We'll the only see. loss I see is in the playoffs. That's it. We'll see. I think everything well, rides on Jim The thing Nolson. is, I don't think they play Notre Dame week one. Yeah, but if I mean if they be if they win that game, then I think it's they're going on to be the regular season because I think there's nobody in the mid ten that has a good enough defense to stop that offense, and there's no there's not very many explosive offenses in the mid ten that can score that much in Ohio State. So I mean, I just think it's gonna be kind of a cakewalk for Ohio State this year. Yeah, hey, Northwestern's there. Don't forget about them. I don't think they play Northwestern. They have to play them in the conference championship. Conference championship. Yeah, and besides, I don't. Yeah, no, they do play Northwestern. November fifth. It's going to be rowdy down there oh, really? in, uh, oh. in Evanston. But let's go. Watch out. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> okay, and then. Let's go ahead and move segments here. So those are the teams we think can make the college football playoff. I'll go ahead and list them off, though. It's Oklahoma State, Utah, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, NC State, Michigan, Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Clemson. So it's a total of 11 teams. But I'm going to move on here. We're going to do a game called Fuck, Mary Kill. I'm sure people are somewhat aware of what that game is. Um, but we're going to do it with three teams and their uh, level of success they might have this season. The first one I want to give to you here is a threesome of Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Tennessee. Uh, what are your What are your choices, guys? Uh, fuck Tennessee, marry Arkansas, drop Ole Miss. If you If you marry Arkansas, are you going to get married at a at a quick trip? No. Probably <laughs> uh in a hog pen. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm sick of the same so, thing with Drew. So, um, uh, to be different, I'll I'll 
I'll fuck Tennessee just for fun. Uh, <laughs> then marry Ole Miss and kill Arkansas because they're only fun for one year. There you go. People hunt hogs too. You know. Actually, I'll, cha- I'll change it. I'll marry. I'll marry Tennessee. I mean, you get to listen to Rocky Top at your wedding. Come on. That's, That's awesome. Right. I love that. It's true. It's true. Love it. I'll do that, and then I'll probably I'll kill Arkansas off, and then Ole Miss, just because it's Ole Miss. Keep it. I'm fucking Ole Miss. Hey, Oxford is known to be, have the most beautiful women, so there you go. All right, next That's the reason I'm not. I'm yeah, not fuck Arkansas. <laughs> the next batch of teams is all from the Big Twelve. It's Texas Tech, Iowa State, and West Virginia. All kind of middle tier teams this season. I'm killing, killing Iowa State. I right off the bat. Yeah, Iowa State's yeah. dead, and then I'll I'll marry a nice little Red Raider. No, and watch out for certain something I'll, when you do that. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. And then I'll I'll, I'll have some intercourse with uh, West Virginia. I'll marry West Virginia. I'm also going to marry the Mountaineers. It, they they won't get too rowdy on you. They'll just be they'll just be even keel. There you go. I, I just, I'm going with Iowa State. I'm marrying Iowa State. I just think you leave them this season. <laughs> <laughs> picking Kansas. Shut up. <laughs> We're bowling this year, baby. Go, Jake. We are two weeks away. We're three weeks away from that game, man. This will be. If this Kansas will be... is better than Iowa State, I'll jump off Devon Tower. Uh, I'll link arms with you and do it. <laughs> Can you guys climb up the side of it first? Yeah, we'll yeah like that one guy. Climb. I'll str- I'll sh- I will streak butt-ass naked in Lawrence if they're better than Iowa State. <laughs> so we've had a couple podcasts, oh, and, and if Kansas has a hell of a season, Drew's going to get a massive Jayhawk tattoo, streak, and jump off a building. <laughs> <laughs> you know what Drew told me? You know what Drew told me? Drew told me he was gonna get it in white ink so no one could see it. That pissed me off. Oh, no, you're getting a me. real one. Oh, I'm not getting. Any, I'm not getting shit because they're not winning six games. No, they're colored in. They're gonna. They're gonna. The three man rush of sponsors. Tramp stamp. Here, by the way, let's see this Duke. Duke has lost eight games in a row, and guess who the last win was? Probably a Kansas. Triumph. Kansas. Kansas. A triumph. <laughs> a triumph. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> okay, let's go back to fuck oh, Mary man. Kill. Fuck Mary Kill here. This is a Big Ten edition. Michigan State, Penn State, or Wisconsin? Uh, fuck Penn State. Mary Michigan State. Kill Wisconsin. Okay. Um. No, I'll marry Wisconsin because I want to jump around. Uh, and then I'll uh, kill Michigan State because Penn State's got the whiteout, so you're fun for one night. There you go. Uh, that's a good point. Um, I'll probably – I'll probably – I'll marry Michigan State. Just got a guy with a little bias towards Michigan State. Um, then I'll fuck Penn State and kill Wisconsin. Sorry, there's nothing going on there, and it's cold. Madison's it's cold. Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and kill off about Madison. State. Me too. Um, okay, let's move on here. This one I think is – I think this one's the best one, specifically for this season. Um, fuck, Mary kill Fresno State, 
Oregon or UCLA. Those are the three options. The obvious answer. Uh, I'll Fresno. I'm killing kill Fresno. I'll marry Fresno State because they'll be the make or break of early Lincoln Riley career. I'm USC. marrying Fresno State. They play Fresno State week three. I'm gonna say it right now. Fresno State. Fresno, State's not Fresno bad, State man. is gonna do what Cincinnati did last year. They're not gonna make the playoff, but they're gonna be that group of five team. That's Fresno State this year. Jake Hayner is awesome. Good. Yeah. Jalen Crawford. I think that's his name. The quarterback. Yeah. Very good. So I'm I'm pick I'm marrying Fresno. Um, State. I'll kill UCLA. And I just don't. Just not a big LA guy. And then Oregon. I guess I'll I'll, I'll fuck him. I'll kill I'll UCLA. UCLA. And then I will marry Oregon because you got to think there's a New Jersey every week, so that means you're basically getting a new girl every week. That's fair. And then I'll I'll have some. Nice. I'll have. Some, oh yeah, every time you get a you get a new outfit every time, and <laughs> um, and the Nike sponsorship you get Nike brand for your rest of your life. Um, and then I would I'd, I'd fuck Fresno, just be a fun little night, Fresno State. Oh. I'm killing Fresno State just because I don't want to watch Group of Five football all year. I'd rather watch Power Five. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> My wife, you're talking about. I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, I, I'm I'm telling you, Fresno State, they're they're going to be great. I'm really feeling it from the Bulldogs this season. But let's get into some actual games, though, for the Week One preview. Thursday night, we're going to have some football on. There's two. Uh, marquee games, though, that you you probably circle on the schedule. Um, it's been West Virginia and Pitt. Um, for me, that's the one that gets me fired up. We haven't watched those two teams go at it for quite a while now. I think since West Virginia's been the Big 12, they haven't played. So we get to watch West Virginia and Pitt, the backyard brawl. What do you guys think about this game, and kind of where, where do you see it landing for, for each team? I think uh, Pitt's going to win a close one. I just don't – I'm not a big believer in West Virginia this year. And, I mean, I I heard something that, like, uh, Pittsburgh is returning basically their entire defense, but they are losing a lot of their offense. I mean, I think it'll be a close game, but I got Pitt in a close one. I don't know. I think West Virginia is not terrible. And it's at – it's at – what is it? It's at West Virginia, isn't it? It's at, at Pitt. I got no clue. It's at Pitt. At Pitt? Yeah. Mm. I don't know if that changes my answer much. I, I, I think West Virginia might. It'll be close. I, I could see it going either way, but I'll, I'll take West Virginia. I'm saying West Virginia in a close game as well. I think I think, I think it's going to be a good game. I'm, I'm really excited to watch this te- both these teams. With the amount of transfer quarterbacks that we have, these two teams are both starting transfer quarterbacks that have kind of – actually, now I see it, JT Daniels and Kate, Keaton Slovis were in a quarterback competition at USC. Yeah. So it'll oh, be interesting now that they are playing in a rivalry game against each other. Um, so we'll kind of get to see who should have been QB1 initially. Um, but, yeah, that, that'll be a fun game. I think West Virginia is going to be improved, but I'm not sure they've improved enough to beat Pitt's Pitt yet. So we'll see. We'll see how that game goes. But it's a fun Thursday night game. Um, the other game that's on Thursday night is Purdue and Penn State. Um, Penn State goes to play in West Lafayette. So I think it's important. Um, Aiden O'Connell versus Sean Clifford, quarterback matchup. What do you guys think about Purdue and Penn State? I'm taking the upset. I'm taking Purdue. I like Aiden O'Connell better than I like Sean Clifford. You know, I just Purdue was fun really? last year. Purdue was fun last year, so I'm uh, taking them, especially since it's in uh, at Purdue. I don't know. I can feel it happening. 
Yeah, I'm going with Drew on that one. Um, I Purdue's going to take that momentum they gained last year, and especially the experience of winning those big games that they won. Uh, and I think they're going to pull it together. They could compete this year for the Big Ten. I really do believe it. Uh, I I can see that happening, but then I could also see Penn State kind of blowing their doors off just a week one mishap. Not everything's under control yet. So I, I, uh, I'll i take Purdue as well, but just because – probably simply because it's at home. I think, uh, I think Penn State's favored like by like three. It's three and a half. Line's three and a half right now. I got Purdue. I'm feeling it. Yeah. It's going to be a really good game. I th- this is the closest Purdue has been to one of the like like they've been able they've always been a team that could upset you, but they've actually got a solid team here that's close to a Penn State, a Michigan State, a Michigan. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Purdue can do this season. Um, the other game that I think is really interesting. It's a weird, weird game here. Is this is the most hyped season North Carolina State has had in a long time. Um, and they do a weird thing here with their scheduling where they're going to play at Eastern Carolina to start their season. Um, Eastern Carolina is one of those group of five teams that has a really big fan base. So it'll be interesting. East, East, ECU is not bad either. Um, but how do you guys see that game going? I think NC State will probably win by 40. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I don't see them being an issue. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think there's Eastern something Carolina's about Eastern Carolina's had – Wins, but I, there's something about I don't it. see it, man. I really it's a, just a weird spot to start your season off on the road against a team that's like hungry to have that kind of matchup. I don't know. I think it's a weird scheduling thing, but I could see Eastern Carolina making that game close late and being one of the more interesting games of week one. But let's move on. Uh. I'm telling you, if it, <laughs> yeah, Jake, uh, you're 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 three to one here. I mean, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. I mean, I'm not picking Eastern Carolina to win. I'm just thinking it'd be, it could be a close game, um, late, like probably late in the third quarter. Maybe NC State runs away with it then. But the other game we have on here is one of the ones we get into these uh, kind of the big dogs here. Uh, Oregon and Georgia. Obviously, Dan Lanning just left Georgia to be the head coach of um, the Oregon Ducks. So it's a kind of a weird conundrum that they're playing each other. Um, obviously, Bo Nix has a history against Georgia and now plays for the Ducks. Um, so how do you how do you guys see that game going, and, and what what would you say to kind of preview it? Taking the uh, I said Georgia by three tutties. Really taking the Ducks. Um, I think really? I think Oregon Oregon is going to come out hot. They had one of the highest ranked quarterbacks go to Oregon um, last year, five star. I forgot his name. Ty um, Thompson. But I. Ty Thompson, yeah. I think he's going to eventually beat out Bo Picks. Eventually. Uh, not week one, but hey, Bo Nix has done it before and he'll do it again. Hmm. I, I, it's, almost a, it's almost a home game for Georgia. Like it's, it's, in, it's in the Atlanta Dome. It's, it, it's, it's, where the, it's where the dogs go to play. Is it the you know, Chick-fil-A kickoff? Got no chance. Yeah. I agree with Calvin. I think it's going to be a Georgia blowout. Technically, a uh, neutral site. I think. I mean, I, I think it'll be close at halftime. I think it'll be close at halftime, but I think Georgia's going to run away with it in the second half. Yeah. Um, important to note that Marcus Mariota is now the starter that plays in the Georgia Dome for the Falcons. So nice little Oregon tie there. I'm going to go ahead and think. I, I would take Georgia to win, but I also think it could be kind of close. I don't know. Um, week one is just you just don't really. I hope it's. Close. We don't know anything, so we'll see. The most interesting game on the schedule for week one to me is Cincinnati and Arkansas. 
most interesting one. So there's there's just so many storylines. And um, to me, I think it starts off with this, and it and I always try to judge games like this. Who who is the coach that I believe in more? I'm gonna be honest with you. I believe in Luke Fickle a hell of a lot more than I believe in uh, I can't even think of his name Pittman. So where do you guys fall in that game, um, week one? Really? I think uh, I think Arkansas will win by two touchdowns. I think it'll be close going into the fourth, and I just think I think Arkansas is gonna be too much for them. Cincinnati lost. It'll be, that play will be bad. Cincinnati be lost. Cincinnati lost so much it? talent, and I just don't see him replacing it right off the bat. And I think Arkansas had too dominant of a year last year to come out and lose to an, to a Cincinnati team that's kind of in a rebuild mode. I don't know if they're in rebuild. But I wouldn't say rebuild, but like compared to last year, it's nowhere near. Yeah, they're, made, they're replacing some key players. I just I just think KJ Jefferson and Arkansas are going to be too much for them. That's just my my opinion. I'm taking Cincinnati, man. I I believe in the Bearcats. I believe in them as a program because I believe in Luke Fickle as a coach. I think he's the best coach in the country. That's not um, at like a blue blood. Like you know, what I'm saying um, I would take him over Marcus Freeman. I would take him over. Dan Lanning, like a lot of those guys that got hired this last uh, kind of um, coaching carousel, I'd take him over a lot of those guys. And I'm sure Notre Dame and Ohio State and those kind of brands are going to be looking for Luke Fickle at some point. But I would just take him. I think he's a really good coach. So I'm going to take Cincinnati to be the more prepared team um, for week one. But I do see why people would pick Arkansas. But is, is, it, is it that Evan Prater kid's first game? If he's a starter for Cincinnati, if he's TV, a starter, is that who started for the well, I think so they, starting, yeah. So they had that's they had a guy transfer out and then transfer back in that could also be the starter. His last name's Bryant, so we'll see. Is that Ben? Is first I think his first name's Ben or something. Yeah, like that. Um, but yeah, he. I, it's just gonna be tough. Like first first start of your career, really, in your in SEC territory. It's, Kind of tough. Two thirty game. It's it's a tough situation to be put to be put in immediately. Those Arkansas fans lost. are going to be rowdy too. Uh, that'll be on ESPN. ESPN. I didn't know if they it was lost the, the uh, CBS game. What? Go ahead, Drew. They, they lost their two starting cornerbacks too. So, I mean, like they lost Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner. Right. And Desmond. Yeah. Murray. Arkansas lost. Yeah, but who's they, that? Uh, who's that OU receiver that, that's at Arkansas now? Jaden Hazelwood. Yeah, Hazelwood's there now, too. I mean, I hope he has a big year. He just never really lived up to the hype at OU. He's decent. But never, never really had that big game. Full potential. The CBS game at 230 is Arizona-San Diego State. Jake. That is just a barn burner. Yep. No one cares. Uh, I, I care. I'm, I'm ride or die with the Arizona Wildcats this season. There. All right. Good luck. <laughs> 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 Yikes. I don't really care. I'm, I'm all in on the Wildcats. They are gonna—they're not gonna be good, but I'm gonna cheer for them. <laughs> love their colors. Love the whole yeah. thing. Beautiful place to be. Let's go, Cats. It says Bearcats on the on the field. I think it says Bear Down. Yeah, it's Bear oh, Down. Yeah, it's Bear Down. Yeah. Okay, let's move on here to the biggest game of the week. I think. I think most people probably agree with me. Um, Notre Dame and Ohio State. I think that most of us probably are gonna lean Ohio State here. But why, so my question is, A, why do you think someone would pick Notre Dame? And B, um, why why is Ohio State the team to pick here? Because their offense is a juggernaut. 
My, they got the best quarterback in the country, in my opinion, the best receiver in the country, and then a top three running back. And I just, I think they're going to blow the doors off of Notre Dame. I think it's going to be like three to four touchdowns. Like Ohio State by like 25 to 28. That's my pick. Really? The line's 17 and a half. 17? Yeah, I think I it's think... going to be about three touchdowns. It's 17? And a half, yeah. 17 oh, and I would half. hammer that Notre Dame. And a half. Mm-hmm. I'd hammer I might, I might, 17. if I bet. Yeah, that, because you got to think. I mean, Notre Dame has played in those big games, and they know what's coming. Uh, but I just don't know if they're going to be able to stop it. I really don't. I don't think there's going to be anyone that can stop that offense. I mean, what was the last big game Notre Dame really won? Clemson. 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 Yeah. Yeah, but they lose every other big game, and I think it's not going to be any different here, and I think it's going to be a blowout. I mean, shoot, they had every opportunity to beat OSU in the Fiesta Bowl last year and just gave it away. Yeah, they were up 28-7, weren't they? Yeah, they were up by 21. It was kind of electric watching that. Yeah, we also fumbled in the red zone and into the end zone twice. We could have won by a 20, like, honestly. <laughs> and I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, I think that game's going to get ugly fast. I'm saying Ohio State's up by 21 in the first quarter. Mm, I could see that, like a Rose Bowl situation. Yeah. So yeah. I think the thing that's slept on here is Notre Dame has one of the best offensive lines in the country, especially in their interior, and they run the ball very effectively. Ohio State was absolutely putrid against the run last year. So what did they do to, you know, shore that up? They went and got a, a good defense coordinator, brought in some other guy, you know, transfers and big recruits. But we're going to see first game if they can defend the run. Um, nobody's going to stop Ohio State for most most part, but I think Notre Dame's going to keep it close because they're going to be able to be – you know, holding the ball, controlling the game, the time of time of possession by running the football against Ohio State. So I'm I would take Notre Dame plus seventeen and a half. I think it's a too large of a number, but I don't I don't see them winning. I think Ohio State will probably end up winning the game. Um, but those big those big boys up there. Yeah, and, and and Jim Knowles' defense does take time to kind of understand right. in the game situation. So I could see it maybe being close, but Ohio State still. It's, Above and beyond Notre Dame. I this think is, we might see my... one of the... – you go ahead, Drew, sorry. I said this is my take about the Jim Knowles situation. I just – I mean, I'm, I'm not – Ohio State obviously gets, like, more talent than OSU does, like Oklahoma State, on the defensive side of the ball. So I just think it'll be easier to adjust because how much how much talent he already has over there. That's just my take. The buy-in, uh, though, the sacrifice I think we might... buy-in, you know, takes a while to build. Like, oh, the defense he runs is very selfless, so you have to have – you know, players that are ready to, to oh, I'm going to take on a double team and not make this tackle so somebody else can make the tackle. You know what I'm saying? And to get that buy-in, it takes maybe yeah. a year. So, I, I don't know. It, it it took him at Oklahoma State, took him a while. Like, we weren't very good when he was there the first couple of years. So, but it that's that's what their whole season banks on is their defense. So, um, I think I think we might be looking at one of the greatest offenses of all time. With Ohio State, I'm going to be completely honest. Like, I I really do believe that. Um, I mean, they have weapon. They're like second string starters, or their second string wide receivers could start at basically anywhere. Like, yeah, I they are such a good team offensively. Like, I just I can't see a world where they drop a game this year because of their offense. I really can't. They have too many weapons and too many playmakers to like not have production on that side of the ball. Yeah, I think most people can can agree with me that they're they're going to go as far as their defense will take them, and especially that front seven, which was really bad against the run. There's no way to sugarcoat it. So we'll see what they can do this this upcoming game against Notre Dame. 
The other game that's on Sunday night is uh, in New Orleans. Uh, the Florida State Seminoles taking on the LSU Tigers. I think this is one of the more interesting games of the entire week one slate because it is two complete unknowns, really, um, on both sides. Um, I, I think LSU is going to be an interesting team all year. I think they're going to be well coached. Um, I think Brian Kelly's a good coach. Um, what do you guys think about Florida State, though? Uh, um, it was I okay see- week one or week zero. I, I mean, there's nothing I saw that I was like, oh, wow, this team's going to be incredible. I mean, I can see the game, game being really close. I can see the game being close, but I think I think LSU's going to win it. But I, I can also see it being an LSU blowout. There's no – I just don't see yeah. Florida State coming in there and dominating LSU because I watched Florida State just be ass for the past five to six years. <laughs> Florida State and Brian Kelly last year also started off the season in a classic game um, when, when Notre Dame played Florida State. So it's interesting that they get Brian Kelly to start the season off twice. I guess they played Duquesne, but who really cares about that? Um, be, it'll be a good game. I think it's. I think LSU will probably win, but I don't know really anything about LSU. So how could I, you know, how could I make that assumption? We'll see how Jaden Daniels adjusts to the SEC defenses. Yeah. Um, last game on here we've got is Monday is Clemson at Georgia Tech. I think that th- this game is going to be. I think it's going to be a sloppy game in the first half, but I kind of see Clemson running away with it. What about y'all? I think Clemson's going to win by 50. <laughs> yeah, it'll be 50, Drew? I, I just I, – I don't 50. see Georgia State being anywhere near beating them this year. Anywhere near. I think Clemson's going to come out with something to prove this year. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a blowout. Yeah, but he's young, but he's got something to prove. Yeah, baby would say uh, exactly. Okay, well, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> it's good. The game is going to be in Atlanta and for Georgia Tech. So nice, nice call out there for little baby. Um, <laughs> game, game in week one that you guys are looking most looking forward to uh, for for this season. What do you guys think in week one? Florida versus Utah. I think it'll be a close game, but. I got Utah in a close one. I don't say I, that game really But I'm choosing OU Utah. I am. I'm so excited for OU football to start back up. I'm sorry. I'm an o, I'm a diehard OU fan. I don't know what else to say. We're gonna go kick the shit out of UTEP, and it's gonna be a fun game. And I'm gonna get to enjoy my time in the stadium being drunk. Can I say OSU? I mean, just with the storyline of. Central Michigan last time, yeah. week one. It's a Thursday night game. I, people are going to be talking about the game, so it'll be fun to play them again. All right, what are, what's going to happen if y'all get hail married again? No, it's not going to happen, Tom. Can't, cancel, cancel the whole program, probably. <laughs> I'll go straight hey, up. Yes, bring a crane. Wherever in. the hell Central Michigan is, let's see where that is. They're going to have a serious security threat on their hands. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> my, guess, my guess is that's <laughs> Hey, Jake, guess where Cooper Rush is right now, man? I don't give a shit about him. I'm talking. Hey, he's a Dallas the Cowboy, is, baby. The The line is slowly increasing, too, by the way. It's 20 and a half for OSU. So I, I don't want to talk about it. The the, the hype train that Big Game Boomer had on Twitter is just ridiculous. It's beyond me. Girl, Big Game Boomer is stupid. <laughs> he's an idiot. 
He's dumb. Or, or they, whoever they are. It might be a woman. I don't know. It's, so it's we need not to a woman. On the pod so we can just rip not it. a woman. Not a woman. Uh, he, he's, he is dumb. He, he sometimes, really dumb. He, here and there, he says something that's like, yeah, maybe. But not a lot. Well, he just re- he released lists of stuff that he's never even been to or seen. And yeah, we all have. How the hell have you ever seen it? How the hell you ever that? You've never been there. Best, best strength coaches was a far fetched one, man. Like, I know about three. And I'm pretty invested in college football. And I, I know the same. Of their hey, names. They did get number one right, I will say. They got number one right. Who's the OU's guy or whatever his name is? Jerry Schmidt. Yeah. Yeah, I think Rob Glass is better. On a limb. I think Rob Glass is the best one in the country, but I mean, he's highest paid for a reason. Who's Rob Glass? Oh, she was a strength string so coach. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and, and keep going here. Game mm-hmm. you could see being an upset week one. I'm going to go ahead and say Cincinnati. Oh, I already Arkansas. said it, but like. So I'm going to go. I'm going to pick the Bearcats. I'm taking Purdue over Penn State. I'm pick. saying uh, Fresno State over over USC. Doing it. That's week three. It's week, three. Oh, it's week three. Who's their week? Yeah. Oh, Rice. It's Rice, isn't it? I'm yeah, taking yeah. Rice. Yeah. Flying with the Owls, baby. Oh, that They're game will be like six hundred points. I know, but I'm having I'm having hope. They're going to give me a call in the fourth quarter to get out there to beat QB. Calvin, I might That's have a transfer there if uh, they win. I already said that on the pod. That would be something. Uh, probably I, the game that I could maybe see being a, a upset is Florida over Utah at week one. Could be interesting. I don't know. Yeah, what's the line on that game? You, three Utah minus three. It's three now. Yeah, so it's moved. Oh. I'm telling you. I tell you this much. Give me the give me the Gators. I'm telling you right now, they're beating them. No, I still see it. I'm just gonna continually disrespect you. Utah's just better at every fucking. No, they're not, Drew. No. They're, Utah's better than both sides. How do you know that? They are, though. How do they you know really that? are. <laughs> <laughs> I watched them both last year. I mean, you know what? I'll tell you, I'll tell you what Utah's good really at. Better. Utah's good at being overrated right now. That's what they're good at. And well, they might be overrated, but Florida's not good. Billy Napier, he's going to beat them. Florida's the first game. Florida's going to go six and six this year. Oh, my God. All right. Okay, let's let's pick these Ooh, games. Though. We kind of already we kind of already did pick these games, but let's go ahead and go through it so that way I can uh, put it down here for our for our uh, our competition here, our pick 'em our pick 'em competition. Uh, the first game that we're going to pick is West Virginia Pitt. Um, Cal, you want to lead us off? Who you got? Uh, West Virginia. Okay. Pitt. You're taking Pitt. West Virginia. I'm going to take. take I'm going to take Pitt as well. So, uh, Tom, you took uh, West Virginia. Two and two. We're divided. Yeah. All right. Hey, it's a rivalry, man. It's, it's going to be a good one. Okay. Next game. Next game is Oregon Georgia. House divided. <laughs> Georgia. Uh, Georgia. Georgia. Fine. Yeah, I started thinking about it. I'm going Georgia. I'm taking back what I said earlier. I'm going Georgia. <laughs> I want to win. I'm sorry. I'm also going to pick the Georgia Bulldogs as well. Drew, you got Georgia? 
Yeah, I got Georgia by I got Georgia by about three touchdowns. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've got three more games here. The other one is the next one is Cincinnati and Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas. 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 And I'm picking Cincinnati, man. And this is probably why I went one and four. Yeah, that's what I'm about to say. Hey, that's a that's a big get if they, if they do win. All three of us lose that one, and you get a point. It's that's big. what I'm saying. I'm going out on a limb that's here. How it was with Vanderbilt last week. Yep, Drew. Drew really. Hit, I mean, dude, Vanderbilt won by 50 fucking points. So you made a real real nice pick. <laughs> okay, next pick we've got Notre Dame and Ohio State. All of us going Ohio State. Ohio State. Ohio State. Yep. Uh, So everybody picked Ohio State in that one. And then the last one we're going to pick is the Florida Gators versus the Utah Utes. Utah. Utah. Florida. I'm going Florida as well. Me and Cal take the Florida Gators. Tom and Drew sit on a gross, lonely train. The Utah Utes train. It's a gross one. And you talk. I'm sitting on top right now. So I'm saying. Calvin, do you remember when that guy did that? Did that celebration that did the gator chomp and and then cut his throat right after? Oh yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what I'm doing right after the Utes win. Hey, don't forget. Let's 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 not forget this. Well, I, after watching that, I don't know if I want to watch Hawaii ever again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> I probably could. I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't care less. <laughs> Vanderbilt beat the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you I'm going to be up watching WKU and the, and the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. That just doesn't sound like me. <laughs> That's, that's fair. Okay, so last week we had a we took a fat fucking L with the combined parlay that we made. It was a beautiful, beautiful parlay. It had all the potential in the world. And Wyoming, a state full of nothing. And I respect Wyoming as a state, but there's nothing there. And they came through and just squashed our dreams. This week we are all going to make our pick for a combined parlay. My first pick is Notre Dame plus 17 and a half. Ohio State minus 17. Oh, man. I can't believe you can't, just did can't, that. Can't, can't do that. Or Jake, I can't believe it. Jake, oh, I, really? it just, why'd you do that to us? That's, it's, we're going to lose now. No. Plus 17 and a half, I promise you. It's the right Pick, it up, Pick a different nope. one. It's our parlay. We, we are 2v1 vote vetoing right now. Hey, I'll just tell you Pick this much. I, I didn't miss okay, my pick. Calvin? I didn't miss my pick, my pick last I didn't week. either. Well, who did then? Was it Drew? Calvin, are we going to let Jake... Are, are we going to let Jake put... Um, who was it? I don't even remember. Notre Dame plus 17 and a half in our parlay? No. 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 Sorry, I don't, I don't know what happened. All right, right now I'm taking Florida. Minus we're, not letting, we're not letting you do that. Florida plus three, then. That's what I'm taking. Oh, no. no. Oh, my God. No. Hey, all I'm saying is, last week I, I said Northwestern plus eleven, and you guys were like, "That's a bad pick," and I was right. That was the best pick of them all. 
That was bad. That was I, I, first of all, that was Calvin's pick. I'm almost positive. <laughs> it was right Calvin's pick. pick. That's a good pick. I said I, that was that was gonna be my pick. No, that was my pick. Nick's <laughs> <laughs> out here just spewing nonsense. Spewing oh, nonsense. Man. Well, okay, put Ohio State minus seventeen and a half for me. All right. We're ready to die. <laughs> That's a fucking loser right there. <laughs> give me I'll a, say, give me I'll a say the, the Notre Dame, it's great value, but I just there's no shot it happens. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Give me Purdue plus three and a half. Whatever it is. Purdue. Purdue's covering the spread. That's not a bad pick. I'll give you that one. Um Okay, I'm gonna go TCU minus ten and a half against Colorado. That's my pick. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We want to welcome a special guest. It's Josh Newman. You can find him at Joshua underscore Newman on Twitter. He's the Utah beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, We're bringing him on because you know Utah's got a good shot of doing some things, making some headlines this year, and. And what better way to uh, to figure out what's going on in the state of Utah than the Utah beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune? So here he is, Josh Newman. Glad to have you, man, and, and really excited to hear what you got to say about this team that you know we we don't know too much about, to be quite honest with you. We don't know a ton about them down here in Oklahoma. So uh, we sure. we just want to get started, Jake. I'll, I'll let you ask you the first question, but uh, again, great to have you, man. Yeah, yeah. So uh, obviously, it. this is a, a big year for Utah, um, a team that. Uh, deals with expectations, but this seems to be kind of the most hype they've received before a season um, in quite a while. And so, so my first question would be, um, how do you think that they, they deal with these expectations and, and have the expectations been this high in Salt Lake City before? Well, to start off, I mean, the, the expectations have never been this high. And, they've, and look, they've had some outstanding teams. You know, Urban Meyer's first team, right? I think, I think most of us know that Urban Meyer coached Utah for a short time. His 2003 team went 10-2. and two, And then going into 2004, there were a, a, a ton of expectations heaped on Utah. You know, that team in 04 finished uh, 12-0, and 0, right? The original BCS buster, uh, you know, getting to the Fiesta Bowl and, and – and blowing out pit. So, you know, that was a long time ago in terms of, you know, their power five existence, right. They became a PAC 12 member in 2011 and, you know, they've had some really good teams, you know, they won the PAC 12 South um, in 2018. Uh, the 2019 team was expected to be very good. And it was, you know, they got back to the PAC 12 championship game, uh, lost that game. Um, they were number five in the college football playoff rankings, you know, going into that 19 PAC 12 championship game. But, there's never been as much as much hype and as much excitement um, and uh, as many expectations as this team has. You know, the way Utah finished last year, uh, beating Oregon twice in 13 days, uh, finally getting to a Pac-12 championship game, excuse me, winning a Pac-12 championship game, getting to a Rose Bowl. And then you look at what they did and they returned 17 starters, right? They returned Cam Rising. Uh, They returned Tavion Thomas, who went for 1,100 yards and 21 touchdowns last year. Uh, What else? They have two legitimate pass-catching tight ends. Uh, 60% of the offensive line that started last year is back. 
uh, the secondary is a lot of veteran pieces, both lines up front full of veteran pieces. So, uh, no, there has never been this much anticipation, this much excitement for a Utah football team, as far as I can tell. Again, they've had some very good teams in the past, in the last 15, 18 years. But, you know, it's a different animal when you're opening the season ranked number seven. And, you know, the college football playoff stuff, you know, the expectations, the possibilities of a CFP berth are getting louder and louder here as this Florida game uh, approaches here in a few days. Wait, so I guess our next question would be, um, how do you expect Utah to handle the week one crowd at Florida? Do you think that it'll be a little different going into an SEC setting compared to like the Pac-12 settings? Yeah, I mean, you know, I haven't I haven't been to every Pac-12 stadium yet, but you know, there's not a there's not a ton of like what we would consider big time serious college football atmospheres. But as as you alluded to, Drew, I mean, you're going down to SEC country, down to the swamp, and the swamp. You know, you look at all these stories and lists of like the best atmospheres in college football, and Florida always is on those lists. So. You know, there's and look, there's excitement at Florida too, right? It's a first-year head coach in um, in uh, um, in Billy Napier. There's excitement there. The place is sold out, so you've got the atmosphere, the crowd. Weather could be a factor, right? With the heat and the humidity of Florida, they're expecting rain, uh, possibly thunderstorms. So, you know, this is a look. Utah's played in some in some loud environments. Again, they just went to the Rose Bowl, okay, which is obviously a a major major atmosphere. But this is a bit of a different deal, again, going into an SEC stadium with a first-year head coach, you know, with the atmosphere and the weather. So, um, you know, Utah is generally uh, – they are not the hunted, right? They are usually the hunter, right? If, if you're talking about like a David versus Goliath type of thing, Utah is generally David. But now coming off the season they just had, they are now Goliath. So they're going to have to deal with, you know, hostile crowd, hostile atmosphere, uh, very athletic Florida team, uh, very capable quarterback. Uh, in Anthony Richardson. So uh, there's a lot of factors. Uh, some Utah can control and some they can't, but they're going to have to deal so, with all. So kind of with all that going on, and, and, you know, last year we had the interesting situation with, you know, Charlie Brewer and Cameron Rising. With with all the leadership that was there at the quarterback position, what, what's what been the biggest thing? Was it was it on-field success or was there leadership behind the scenes that we maybe couldn't have seen on the football field that, that led to, number one, Cameron getting that job, and number two, also – like the on-field success itself. Was there more to it than just that meets the eye on the football field? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yes and no. I mean, the thing with rising that maybe people outside here don't really understand, like rising is one of those young people that other people gravitate towards. So he's been here for four years, right? This is year four for rising. He's had control of that locker room for a very long time, even when he wasn't starting uh, you know, he blew out his shoulder early in the 2020 COVID season and he still had the respect of his teammates. He's a, he's a two-time captain now. And, you know, he's got this affable, likable, like Southern California laid back type of personality and people just gravitate towards him and not just his teammates, you know, his coaches speak very highly of him, right. From Kyle Whittingham, the head coach, uh, to Andy Ludwig, the offensive coordinator, he's just that guy who has those leadership qualities. And a lot of that goes back to, you know, he grew up in a home with like, you know, a super like alpha male athletic type of father. And he was the youngest of, of three sons. So he was forced to, 
you know, he got beat up a little bit by his older brothers as, as older brothers tend to do. And, but that's just, you know, that helped mold the person that he is. And, you know, the on-field stuff, yeah, it was rising. Uh, and it was Devin Lloyd, right, the All-America linebacker, who's now a rookie with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And there were a handful of other veteran guys, uh, guys like Britton Covey, who, who, uh, who went to camp with the Eagles, uh, and Mika Tafua, who, who led the, <laughs> the Pac-12 in sacks last year. So, yeah, a, a lot of it last year in terms of leadership on and off the field, a lot of it was rising, but they certainly had a lot of older, capable veteran pieces that were big voices, um, you know, within the within the team. Yeah, so I I think I was interesting. You mentioned Kyle Whittingham there. Uh, my my next question is is just kind of a broader question about him. Um, so you hear people talk about all these top coaches now, um, and, and it seems like he's kind of the one that you kind of you add it, it, at the end, but. Why is he so underrated, and why why has his success at Utah been, I guess not not undervalued, but he's been so consistent, and why why has that been so underrated? Yeah, I, I I would probably agree that he has been undervalued, just because look, you're not even in the Pacific time zone. Like we're not talking about like UCLA and USC. We're talking about the Mountain Time Zone, and even if you look at professional sports. Nobody cares about the mountain time zone. It just doesn't register with people, especially back on the East Coast where there's a, a huge concentration of fans and media. I think, you know, the thing about Kyle that is underappreciated is that he has been willing to change with the times. And, and, and what I mean by that is, okay, the transfer portal has been a thing since 2018. Okay, well, he's hammered the transfer portal, right? He's gotten a lot of quality pieces, guys that have helped him win a lot of games. Look. Charlie Brewer didn't work out for Utah, but at the time that was a massive get, you know, for Utah, right? This, you know, 10,000 yard passer at Baylor who had done a ton of things at, at the big 12 level, you know, you went out and you got him. Uh, Cam rising was a transfer portal guy, you know, spent a year at Texas uh, Tavion Thomas, the running back, not a, not a transfer portal guy per se, but he was a Juco guy and a late add to last year's team, but they recognized and evaluated that Thomas could be a big factor. And he was. So he went all in on the transfer portal. Um, the NIL stuff, you know, that is now obviously prevalent within college football. I mean, he doesn't love it. I don't think any head coach loves the NIL stuff, but that's another thing that he's willing to, you know, dive in on. And he recognizes that this is where the future of the game is going. Um, you know, Utah's offense forever has been run, 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 predicated on the run. They ran the ball 60% of the time last year, but they're willing to let rising operate in an offense, sometimes out of the shotgun. He has an arm. They're willing to throw the ball more than they have been in recent past. Look, this is a North South game. That's where football is right now. So they you know, so Kyle has been willing to kind of step outside himself, step outside his football DNA and it's willing to throw the ball more. So, you know, what's made him successful. This is year 18 for Kyle. Uh, he's going to retire here. Nobody's going to fire him. He's going to leave on his own terms. And I think a huge part of that is, especially within the last five or six years, is that he's been willing to change with the times. All right. So um, my next question is, um, with all this conference realignment going on, how do you think it will end up impacting Utah? or And where do you think they might end up when it's all said and done? It's a great question. You know, there's no easy answer. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that I have all the answers because I don't. I'm not sure that anybody does, but, you know, talking to, you know, some pretty high level people, you know, within the Utah administration, it's 
clear to me that Utah is going to be fine. Like no matter what happens, they're going to land on their feet. But, you know, like what does that mean? You know, we're sitting here now. It's August 31st. And, you know, the Pac-12 is still trying to figure out what their own media deal is going to look like. How much money is that going to yield? You know, as of this morning, you've got the Big 12 uh, becoming more aggressive, you know, uh, beginning to negotiate with ESPN to really figure out what their valuation is. Uh, some people believe that that is it an effort to get some firm numbers to show to potential Pac-12 schools that, you know, that they want to poach. So, you know, so what are we looking at here? I mean, potential legitimate feasible scenarios for Utah, you know, the PAC 12 stays together uh, and you either operate at 10 schools or you go out and you poach two more to get back to 12, or there's also a, an Avenue where, you know, Oregon and Washington eventually leave for the big 10, which is absolutely possible at some point. And then if Oregon and Washington leave, then the PAC 12 is really in some dire straits. But I think in that scenario, I still think Utah lands on its feet because if the Big 12 tries to poach Pac-12 schools, Utah is absolutely on that list. You know, some combination of Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State. Um, I contend, I mean, maybe not this round of realignment, but I, I really believe that there is an avenue where Utah winds up in the Big 10. If the Big 10 decides to expand beyond Oregon and Washington, they come from more Pac-12 schools. Utah has the academic credentials. Um, obviously, they've had a lot of success on the football field the last few years. Again, I don't think that that is imminent. I don't, I'm not convinced that that's even going to happen on this round of realignment. Um, but bottom line, like Utah has, Utah is in better shape in terms of realignment than probably at least half of the, yeah. ha half the remaining Pac-12 schools. Utah so, is going to so be with fine. all that up in the air, at the end of the day on Saturday, Utah is going to kick off their season. Who do you see being the breakout player for Utah this, this football season? And who's going to be that guy that steps up in a big way for the team that could put them over the edge ultimately? You know, it's tough to identify somebody who might be like a breakout guy in the sense that, look, 17 starters back, a lot of these right. guys are proven commodities. So is there a freshman or a young guy that's going to, that's going to emerge? You know, two names come to mind. I mean, Jalen Glover is a four-star running back out of Florida. Um, Utah expects a lot out of him, but that's a deep running back room with, you know, Tavion Thomas um, and Makai Bernard, who was very good last year. Uh, Chris Curry was an LSU transfer who, you know, played sparingly last year, might see a larger role. But, you know, Glover is going to Glover's going to play on Saturday. So I think a lot of us who, who, who cover the program are, are around the program are curious to see what Jalen Glover can do. There's been a lot of hype around that kid. And then the second guy that comes to mind, again, not a new guy, but uh, Brant Keithy, who, uh, you know, they're all Pac-12 tight end, uh, three-time all Pac-12 tight end. And I say Keithy because there seems to be this notion that they're going to start really using him in different ways. You know, he can line up as a tight end. He can line up out of the slot. You might see him line up outside. He played running back in high school, so don't rule out something exotic with him in the backfield or on a jet sweep or something. So, again, Keithy is not a new guy, but outside of rising, I think that Keithy is the most indispensable player on this Utah offense just because of how versatile he is and all the different ways he can line up and hurt a defense. Yeah, so uh, I think that I, I've watched Keithy now for a couple of years. He's, he is a, a great player, and it, you see, I feel like you see less and less great tight ends in college football. Maybe I'm just biased on it and see it that way. But 
so the game against Florida, um, what what do you see being the kind of the keys to this game? Obviously, Florida has a new, a young quarterback. I wouldn't call him new, but a young quarterback. Is there something that you, you see it sticks out for Utah they kind of have to do to win this game? Yeah, I mean, first thing that jumps out is, you know, the offensive line. Uh, Utah ha- kind of has this recent history of their offensive line starting slowly, um, especially, you know, last year was kind of a mess early. You had a lot of injuries towards the end of camp. There was shuffling around. And the first two, even two and a half games, the offensive line, you know, was a real mess. But some of that was okay because your opener last year was an FCS team. So you didn't have to have all your ducks in a row yet. You know, you could work on your depth in a game like that. This is not an FCS team. This is, uh, you know, a real deal SEC opponent on the road. So your offensive line has to be up to snuff immediately. Like there is no shallow end. Like they're going right to the deep end. But the good news there is, you know, the you know the eight or ten offensive linemen that will travel to this Florida game, uh, one they're healthy, right? They came out of camp healthy, and two, it's a lot of veteran guys. Okay, you've got uh, Braden Daniels, who was your right tackle last year. He's moving over to left tackle to protect Ryzen's blind side. Uh, you know your left guard comes back, your right guard comes back. You're starting right tackle uh, Jaron Kump, probably the best tackle on the roster but he was hurt for so much of last year and he's still a bit green. He's only played 10 games, but he's, when he's healthy, he's outstanding. Uh, you know, you've got a new center in Paul Miley. You're trying to replace a veteran guy in Nick Ford who started like, you know, 30 some odd games. So um, they like their offensive line and this offensive line has to show up immediately against Florida. You know, again, there is no shallow end. So I think, I think, I think that's a key. If Utah cannot block up front and if they can't protect rising, I think they're in trouble. And, um, you know, on the, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, you alluded to Anthony Richardson, who, you know, a lot of hype around Anthony Richardson, right? Former five-star kid, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Gainesville native, uh, projected as, as a potential top 10 pick in 2023. He's only making his second career start, but, you know, you talk to enough people and you watch, like he's capable of doing major, major damage. So if you can't contain Richardson, especially when he's tucking it and running, you, you got to contain Richardson because if he's going nuts, uh, that's a problem for Utah also. All right, so I think we only got uh, one more question for you today. And uh, just what's, uh, what do you expect to happen on Saturday? And what's your, what's your prediction? And I've gone back and forth. I mean, on paper, I don't think there's any debate that Utah's 22 is better than Florida's 22. But, you know, Florida is Florida's talented. Florida probably has more athleticism. Florida has more speed. Uh, Florida's defensive line is, is massive in some spots. You know, Utah's offensive line, while capable, you know, by normal lineman standards, Utah's offensive line is a bit undersized. So, you know, then you have to account for the weather and the atmosphere and the whole thing. And I keep coming, to, I keep coming back to Utah has a lot of veterans. At, at skill positions, a lot of veterans in key spots. There's coaching continuity, which I think is an underrated factor. Um, Utah is just better. And I and that's what I keep coming to. Utah is simply better. And I'm assuming that they're going to deal at least sufficiently with the atmosphere. I like Utah in this game, but they're going to have to work for it. This is not going to be a, a two-touchdown game. Like, this is going to be, it feels to me anyway, like a field goal game, maybe a one-score game. 
but I do like Utah to get out of there with a win. 72 degrees and rainy all Saturday night. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see these two teams slop around in the mud. But, Josh, we do appreciate your time, man. It's been a blast. Uh, looking forward to Utah this season, to be quite frank. We, we weren't sure what the, – we have no idea what they're going to do. It could be one of the two ways. It could be very great or very uh, disappointing for Utah fans. So very interested to see what happens. I want to thank you again for having having Josh with us. And uh, check him out on, on Twitter at Joshua underscore Newman. And uh, thanks again, man. It's been a pleasure having you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.